Zone. From her mouth to the field's ears, this is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Well, and some of those ears are waking up a little moist this morning. Some rain moving through the state of Wisconsin, and it looks like that's a weather pattern we better get accustomed to. Good Friday morning, everybody. I'm the fabulous Farm Babe Pam Yankee, greeting you with a chance of rain in the forecast. Today, about a 40% chance of showers. 78 are expected high. Tomorrow, we're calling for cloudy skies, 80 degrees. Sunday, a little bit of a chance of rain in the forecast, 74. Monday, partly sunny and 71. We're comfortably into the 70s all of next week, and it does look like things dry out after we get through the weekend. We'll find out about weather details when Stumacher Ag Meteorologist clears it all up for us in about 15 minutes. We're recognizing another one of our Wisconsin farms celebrating 100 or 150 years in the family. Stick around for that story. And the Farm and Industry Short Course getting ready for its inaugural year at UW-River Falls. We'll catch up with Dr. Steve Kelm, who's the coordinator for that big event, find out how things are coming along. Full Friday on the way. Generate benchmarks with real-time data on more than 2 million cows. Dairy Records Management Systems and Pam Yonke will be broadcasting from inside the Coliseum at World Dairy Expo at Booth 37 on Wednesday at 9.30 a.m. Learn more at drms.org. Join Pam and Compure Financial at World Dairy Expo on Thursday, October 5th at 9.30 a.m. as they cover the world's premier dairy event. Compure is dedicated to agriculture in rural America by providing financial services throughout 144 counties in the Midwest. Visit compure.com. New location, new vision, same goal. The Farm and Industry Short Course is producing high-quality graduates ready for success in the dairy industry. The oldest agriculture training program in Wisconsin has stood the test of time. The 16-week program returns for fall 2023 at UW-River Falls. Learn from world-class faculty, live in the residence halls, earn college credits, and create lifelong friendships. Register today at uwrf.edu. It's the harvest time of the year, and one of the most beautiful harvests out there are those cranberries. I'm Jill Welke from the northern end of the world's longest barn here in Eau Claire. I got to chat with Allison Johnjack. She's the cranberry outreach specialist with UW Extension Madison, and she's the one that knows an awful lot about our cranberry crop. What's the crop looking like for the 2023 harvest season? It is going to be a really nice year. Um, we This year, uh, the Cranberry Marketing Committee estimates that Wisconsin is going to harvest 4.97 million barrels of cranberries. Um, this is part of nationwide 8.17 million barrels. So Wisconsin is, yet again, coming in, bringing in more than half of the national cranberry crop. Um, this is our 29th consecutive year that Wisconsin is leading the nation in cranberry production. And what about the quality of the crop this year? Fruit quality is looking very good. Um, we've had a hot summer, which can sometimes result in extra disease pressure, but I've seen our growers doing a lot of um, proactive management, um, being able to apply uh, irrigation water before the sun is up and giving those those leaves a chance to dry out and keep the canopy good and good and healthy um, while both meeting the meeting the water needs as well as preserving crop health. So berry size looks good. Um, disease pressure looks low. Um, we're we're looking at a a very handsome crop this year. And you mentioned controlling the water. With so many of the areas suffering from the lack of water, 
How does that affect the cranberry growers? It does vary grower by grower based on their water supply and their own local uh, ecological niche. We're lucky in cranberries because we have sprinklers to protect against frost. Um, By default, we will still have those sprinklers. So when there is a drought like this year, um, we still want to conserve water and use it kind of only at the best times. But we are able to provide those little uh, shots of moisture necessary to, to keep the plant growing healthy. So it has been um, hard for us to, to watch kind of our neighbors in, in forage and in row crops uh, kind of take that drought head on. But luckily, the cranberry growers are able to protect themselves a little bit. Um, in terms of water needs for harvest, of course, that is not actually, I mean, we, we use the water, but we immediately turn around and recycle it to the next bed and the next bed. And so some growers have water supplies shared from one grower to the next and so they are kind of um, planning ahead for harvest making sure that they've been really really sparing in their use of water uh, this late summer so that they've got water available to do the floods that are necessary for the harvest but those floods for harvest are always recycled and passed on again shortly so it's uh, it's it's less consumptive than it than you would think from the outset. So is there ever a concern about the water being reused from one place to the next? Um, We have really careful um, use and monitoring in terms of water quality and and water purity. People will will kind of test their water going in and out just to make sure they know what they're getting. Um, We do, though, part of the nature of the soils that cranberries evolved to grow in. They are, you know, wetland soils, whether they are peats, acidic peats, or else they're acidic sands. Um, They do a really good job of filtering nutrients. So oftentimes we'll pass that water from one marsh to the next, and it winds up being a little cleaner each time. So we are very attentive. We care about water quality a lot, um, but we don't usually see any issues um, in, in these harvest periods. Well, we've talked water, and we've talked, you know, getting the harvest done. Has there been any new issues with any pests out there? I think it was about three years ago. There was an old pest from the 30s that was a disease vector, and that pest is the blunt-nosed leafhopper, and we've seen that again for the last three years after not seeing it for decades and decades. So we've been putting a little bit of research focus on that blunt-nosed leafhopper, um, Luckily for us, not luckily for them, New Jersey has had this pest for a, a little longer than us, and so we've been able to piggyback on some of their research. Um, luckily, that is fairly easy to take care of, and it comes in that early, you know, before any blossoms or before any pollinators are out season. Um, so we're able to take care of it pretty quickly as long as growers know to look for it. So we're just re-upping our education about what to look for, when to look for it, and uh, how to make sure that that leafhopper doesn't transmit any diseases. What other kind of research are you doing to, you know, upgrade the cranberries or help them out with the pests? That is a great time to ask this question. Yesterday I was just out harvesting um, my trial plots because, of course, the trial plots can't go into the food stream, so I have to pull out all of my, my trial work. Um, yesterday I was actually harvesting a trial plot related to that blunt-nosed leafhopper when it's in the nymph stage. Um, and then we also looked at a maple 
uh, some maple trees, uh, believe it or not, are a common cranberry weed. Cranberries are woody perennials, and maples are woody perennials, so it's uh, hard to hard to favor one and keep out the other. Um, so we were looking at some maple control. We've also been doing work in um, using nematodes. Uh, nematodes are a naturally occurring little t- itty-bitty tiny roundworm that host bacteria and the bacteria can attack the larval stage of beetle grubs. Um, and so we're looking at applying nematodes and seeing if these nematodes will eat the larvae of the flea beetle. Um, the flea beetle is a late season pest for us. Um, we've also got research kind of as always going on about um, cold tolerance and different variety responses to temperature. Um, we've also got some work going on this year about heat tolerance um, since we've been seeing those kind of hot stretches like we had this August, um, seeing um, what the impacts of extra heat are, uh, both on fruit quality and on disease pressure. I know a lot of times in research you have to have a, a controlled environment to get the results that are true. Do you ever do yeah. research? Do you ever do research out and about with producers to find out what works for them? Yes. Um, that's a big part of my program. Um, as you as you allude to, you know, everything everything works somewhere, but nothing works everywhere. And every individual grower has to find out what works for them to control pests and to maximize production and um, you know good environmental sustainability in their particular environment. So a lot of my research is focused on doing. Um, there are people who do the bench trials of, of different, you know, how does this work? What does this look like in a greenhouse? What does this look like in a freezer chamber? Um, and then I will both do field-scale research that scales up that lab research and sees how it could apply to different growers. Um, and then I also help growers when they're ready to start implementing the outcomes of the research. I'll help them choose which part of my marsh should I apply this to first? Maybe I'll choose the 10% that's most likely to benefit right away um, and do slow rollouts, and after that 10% is successful, then the next year we can do 40%. Um, but doing the, the work of scaling things up from a lab to the actual uh, bed, to the actual place where the cranberries are growing for production, um, like you say, there's a lot involved in that. There's everybody, whether you're on a, a sandy soils or whether you're on peat soils, and whether you've got um, a water supply that is in a reservoir or whether you're sharing with other growers in a river. Um, there's every everybody's niche is a little bit different, and so we like to make sure that we're really uh, vocal about where that information is coming from, where that research was done and how growers can apply it to their own situation. Always fun to talk some red berries with you, and that was Allison Johnjack. She is the Cranberry Outreach Specialist with UW-Madison Extension. And I'm Jill Welke. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. You know when you've really made it? When you finally have your own place and you can decorate it the way you want. Your Aunt Betty used to sleep on that old couch. It's time to turn drab into fab with lazy luxury from Lazy Boy Furnishings and Decor. That chair, it belonged to the dog. Time to start styling. Lazy decorators love Lazy Boy. 
Lazy Boy Home Furnishings and Decor, Madison, East Springs Drive near East Town Mall. If you talk they will hear you. We all want our kids to grow up safe and healthy. So we show them how. And we tell them with honest conversations that let them know what we expect. Not just one time, but every chance we get. That's especially important when it comes to alcohol and other drugs. Kids not only need to know the dangers and how to avoid them, they need to hear it often from you. And when it comes to pain medications, opioids, they need to know that they should never be taken without a prescription and never shared with friends or family. It's dangerous and illegal. So talk with your kids and guide them through the challenges of growing up safe and healthy. Because when you talk, they hear you. For more information about talking with your kids about underage use of alcohol and other drugs, visit underagedrinking.samhsa.gov. So talk, they hear you. You can do it if you try. The nightmare of working with some contractors is much like being on a bad date. They totally wreck your bathroom, swindle you out of a ton of money, then disappear into the dark of night. Swipe left. Actuate Improvement is a full-service design and remodeling company who completes the job as promised, is cost-conscious, then leaves you with a sweet thank you note. Swipe right, and let's get the conversation started with a free consultation. ActuateLLC.com. Design. Create. Actuate. Pam is the name. Farm speak is the game. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Ah, happy Friday to you all. Hopefully you're going to be happy with the weather that's on the way. Time for our Compier Financial Ag Weather Update. Stumach Ag Meteorologist joining us this morning. So uh, about 20,000 folks are headed to a farm field uh, just a little southwest or west of Madison, a uh, community of Brooklyn for the Luke Bryan concert uh, on the farm. And I'm wondering, 20,000 people on dry conditions can uh, be a little bit of a mess. But if we're going to get rain, that that kind of compounds things, you know? Well, it's that chance of rain, Pam. And, you know, you say there's a chance all the time. Well, there is all the time. But this chance isn't all that great if we see some rain. It isn't going to amount to a big deal, maybe up to a tenth of an inch. But you got a bunch of cars out in the field. Yeah, they're going to make a mess. It's going to be muddy, sloppy. Nothing much we can do about it, unfortunately. Believe it or not, Madison, about the only place I see reporting rain after 8 o'clock last night at a whole four hundredths of an inch, uh, Racine in far southeast Wisconsin, only a hundredth of an inch yesterday. Not a big day as far as rain is concerned, but a frontal boundary still meandering out to our west from around western Lake Superior, Across Minnesota, down to South Dakota, radar indicating still a few scattered areas of light rain in that southwest Wisconsin area, southwest of Madison, more of it down into central Illinois, back towards southwest Iowa, eastern Nebraska, northeast Kansas, and then way out to the west, the Dakotas, far northern Minnesota, just not moving into our area. There's been rain to the west several days in a row, just not quite getting here with anything more than just that couple hundredths of an inch. And that's kind of the chance I'm expecting we may see. A slight chance of a shower, maybe an isolated thunderstorm this afternoon, especially western Wisconsin. And I think we'll lump Madison in there, Beaver Dam, Fond du Lac, Oshkosh. Not much of a rain chance at all late today or into tonight. And there's just that chance lingering in the west tonight. Then we begin to dry it out. 
Temperature is still very mild today and tomorrow as summer ends and autumn begins. Autumn starts officially at 150 tomorrow morning. It's still going to seem quite summery with temperatures above normal. Another above normal temperature day tomorrow, but then starting to cool down back toward normal by Sunday, Monday. A little drier again once we start on into next week and cooler sounding more like late September weather starting to settle in. Probably still great news to get some late hay off. Just finished that up in the neighborhood yesterday. A lot of corn to still go. And, of course, now if we don't have to talk about some rain, means a little less muddy, a little easier field working conditions, no doubt at all. I'll have our forecast details right after this. With harvest season upon us, Compere Financial extends awareness to the importance of farm safety and wishes farmers and growers a safe harvest season. At Compere Financial, we are defined by you. Your hopes for the future as well as your needs today. Visit Compere.com or call 844-426-6733 to learn more. Compere Financial ACAs and equal credit opportunity lender and provider. Copyright 2023, all rights reserved. Whether you milk 50 cows or 5,000 cows, a trip to World Dairy Expo in Madison, Wisconsin is your chance to connect, learn, and celebrate. Be there when the global dairy industry meets October 3rd through October 6th. Discover the latest technology and industry research while appreciating the best dairy cattle in North America. Get down to business. Plan your trip online at WorldDairyExpo.com. Purchase your tickets in advance. Discounted tickets available before October 3rd. All righty, Stu, let's talk about this forecast. I'm kind of paying attention to what's going on with this Luke Bryan concert. But like you said, it's been very hit and miss. And even those that get hit, it's not much, huh? No, and that's pretty much how it could still be yet today or on into the nighttime, especially western Wisconsin, La Crosse, Mauston, uh, Madison, that far southwest part of the state. The Compure Financial Ag Weather Forecast does call for more of a partly sunny day, and just that small chance of a scattered shower could be an isolated thunderstorm. This morning, maybe just into afternoon in far western Wisconsin. In the east, we stay dry, enjoy a little sunshine, Uh, The upper 70s today, that doesn't sound all bad either. East-southeast winds will be at about 5 to 10. In the west and south, a slight chance of a shower or a storm tonight with more of a mostly cloudy sky. That means we don't get as much fog. Temperatures don't cool off. Low 60s overnight. Southeast winds 5 to 10. Morning clouds, but sunny skies developing Saturday almost everywhere. A few more clouds at La Crosse and still in the upper 70s, almost 80. Southeast winds 5 to 15. And for that first full fall day on Sunday, more of a partly sunny sky, lower 70s with the southeast winds at 5 to 15 and low 70s on into Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Pam, and it looks pretty nice as we head to next week. All right. That is good news. Yeah, it it looks like it's going to stay dry next week, at least right now, doesn't it? It, that's the way it's looking right now and with temperatures more low 70s normal it's going to feel great oh man wonderful okay buddy have a good weekend we'll catch up with you on monday got it see you then cool stumach our ag meteorologist with weather details that you're looking for again you know i kind of mentioned it for folks that are headed to the luke bryant concert if you want to join me i am going to be broadcasting from uh, main street barn grill in Brooklyn, starting uh, this afternoon, uh, about 2 o'clock or so, they are actually running buses out to the concert site. They're expecting somewhere in the neighborhood of 20,000 folks visiting the Clain Farm Fields of Brooklyn. Uh, you can follow more and learn more on my Facebook page, Fabulous Farm Babe. 
All right, coming up, uh, UW River Falls getting ready to welcome in the first class for Farm and Industry Short Course at River Falls. I talked yesterday with Dr. Steve Kelm, who is coordinating that effort. And Stephanie Hoff's going to bring us another one of the farms in Wisconsin celebrating 100 years in the same farm family. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. I think the collaboration that we see between Wisconsin Farm Bureau and these other commodity groups gives us a cohesive message, a singular stance in agriculture that offers credibility. It gives us a cohesive message and support for all of our agricultural organizations. WFBF.com. It's easy to join. A voice for farmers, a vision for agriculture. Wisconsin Farm Bureau. Let our family help your family. This is Matt Gunderson, and this is Elmer, <laughs> our canine cuddle ambassador, here to provide good natured, loving, fuzzy support to further our level of personal care. Someday you might meet Elmer as we assist you with an individual life celebration. Let our family help your family. Visit GundersonFH.com. Over 100 years as your hometown life celebration center. Create the floors you love this season with DIY and budget-friendly flooring from Wiseway. With Wiseway Flooring's direction, you'll only need to be moderately handy to accomplish brand new floors. I'm Mike Yenser at Wiseway Flooring, inviting you to visit our showroom in Watertown, Lake Mills, and Economwalk. See how our do-it-yourself products might be the right thing for you. Commercial or residential, the wise have it. Log on to INeedFlooringNow.com. Have you ever had an MRI through the hospital where you're crunched inside a scary tube-like tunnel? MH Imaging in Middleton provides the spacious comfort of a completely open design MRI, the most updated concept in MRIs. It's an open MRI, open for everyone, regardless of insurance or doctor affiliation, for a fraction of the cost of a medical system. And the results are available the same day, providing you with answers you need to know now. Visit MHImaging.com. Everyone dreams of that one special day. I'm not talking about a wedding day, a push present, or a big anniversary. I'm talking about a special day made just for you. Maybe you paid off the mortgage, finished a marathon, left the dork who couldn't see you for the amazing person you are. It's different for everyone, but it's a day that needs celebrating with a custom piece to bring a Mona Lisa smile to your face. William Thomas Custom Jewelry. Your inspiration, your custom jeweler. At Berkshire Automotive, we have a non-commissioned sales team, which is a polite way to say we don't really care whether you buy a practical Equinox, the rugged Silverado, or the speedy new Corvette. You've been told no before? Join the Bergstrom Automotive family for the yes. At Bergstrom Automotive, we teach our people to take no out of the vocabulary. Is no in your vocabulary? Uh, no. No isn't a thing at Bergstrom Automotive. Join the Bergstrom Automotive family for the yes. Join the Bergstrom. What is dementia? Is it the same as Alzheimer's? What is vascular dementia, Lewy body, FTD, TBI, and CTE? If someone has memory loss, does that mean they have dementia? Millions of Americans ask these questions every day. I did too, and I learned. My wife, Ginny, developed dementia. I didn't know what to do or what was coming next. I'm Kevin Jamison, volunteer and president of the Dementia Society of America. I'm excited to offer you a free guide to understanding dementia 
It's filled with facts about dementia, care planning, how doctors can help, and ways to keep your brain as healthy as possible. The Dementia Society of America is a national nonprofit, and we're ready to answer your questions. You want to live life to the fullest. I know that. Ginny did too, and I'm confident that we can help. Get your copy of the guide. Go to 1-800-Dementia.org or call 1-800-Dementia. Thank you. How is it that we can have smokers' lines without ever smoking? A skincare minute with skincare expert, Michelle Neeson. Smokers or lip lines can occur not only because of smoking, but other factors, such as talking, drinking from a straw, genetics, and age-related fat loss. The most simple and effective treatment for this problem is a combination of dermal fillers such as Juvederm, which can smooth and fill those fine lines as well as hydrate the lips. Also, a neuromodulator such as Botox can be used in small amounts to relax those pursing muscles. At Rejuvenation Clinic of Sauk Prairie, this treatment results in a natural, more youthful appearance of the mouth and often lasts a year or longer. Let your natural beauty shine through. Visit us at rejuvenationclinicofsaukprairie.com. What the hell's going on with David Bakhtiari? What'd you think of his dissertation? Uh, his, uh, almost a half hour long there in front of his locker about uh, his knee and it being injured and him not protesting because of artificial turf against the Falcons. Well, you know, at, at least we got some clarity, right? Uh, and because Bakhtiari is extremely outspoken and we know that and, and he's not going to run and hide from his truths, whatever those were. And, you know, for a good 48-hour window here, I think a lot of Packer Nation was just wondering, is, is he never going to play a turf game again after how outraged he was last week about the Aaron Rodgers injury. And and by the way, guys, I mean, did, did Nick, Nick Chubb the other night get hurt on grass, by the way? Um, yes, yes, it was grass. Have, 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 have we had injuries on grass in the, in the history of this wonderful football game? I, I, I think we have. So all this, all this hype and hoopla about injuries. To be fair, you know, I think Nick Chubb would have been hurt anywhere with that hit though. Like I, 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 don't, <laughs> I, I, I don't, I don't dispute that, but I, I've seen many, many injuries at Lambeau Field, and I can guarantee you three guys will leave the game on Sunday against the Saints you know, with, with injuries somehow miraculously on the surface that we call grass. And, and, and there, will be, there will be an injury on Sunday, Evo, and who knows? Maybe they'll stop the game here in 2023 because that's what we do now. But, uh, uh, you know, I'll, back, back to Bakhtiari for a second. The, the Packers are in a little bit of a pickle, right? I mean, they're – they're committed to this guy for the season. They're, they're doing their damnedest to try to get, you know, to try to get him on the field eight, 10, 12 times, whatever, whatever it turns out to be. Um, I, I do believe after yesterday that this isn't a protesting kind of an issue whatsoever, although he probably should have faced the music and talked on either Sunday or Monday about, about his truth in this, in this whole uh, turf grass deal and how his knee really was and stuff like that, because guys, after the game in Chicago on that, on that Sunday, the 10th, the opener, I talked to him a long time, and, and he said his knee felt great and all this. And now, obviously, it, you know, things could change on a Monday or a Tuesday, and they could, you know, it, could, it could swell up and balloon on him and things like that. And, and I guess we'll work under the assumption that's what happened. But he certainly seemed to come through that Chicago game pretty, pretty clean on, you know, for, for the most part. Um, you know, but at, at least we know now David Bakhtiari – the player, if he can play, is is you know gonna gonna sure. gonna 
give it a go. And each Sunday he's gonna he's gonna be out there. So it 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 should put together at least those myths or rumors that that kind of had had existed for a forty eight hour window. And a lot of that's on Bakhtiari too for not putting out the fire. And yeah. he's got his goofy brother tweeting and and things like that. But uh, you know you know just just back to the Packers big picture wise. You know Matt Lafleur is clearly fed up with this whole thing. I, I haven't seen little Matt, uh, you know, throw a temper tantrum like that, uh, like like he did at his Monday press conference. It's really, probably since he showed up in Green Bay, guys, it was it was like someone took away Matt's blocks, and, and he was a two year old, and uh, you know, but, but he's tired of the box. He's tired of the Bakhtiari nonsense, and you know the Packers are clearly frustrated. I think we could all probably agree it's David Bakhtiari's last season as a Green Bay Packer, and, and they're just going to try to try to you know grit their sure. teeth, grit and bear it, and get through it somehow together. Rob, speaking of uh, you know maybe Bakhtiari's last season, I think many uh, Packer fans wanted uh, Joe Barry to have his last game after it concluded on Sunday against the Falcons, and I see Rob Reichel stirring it up on Twitter and Forbes.com. I'm going to read the uh, the uh, tweet you put out Packers head coach Matt LaFleur made the extremely unpopular move of bringing back DC Joe Barry for year three after Sunday's collapse the heat is on both Barry and LaFleur my story at Forbes.com Robbie please let's dive in Joe Barry public enemy number one yeah I mean you guys do a daily radio show I mean I can't imagine a lot of your callers were you know, throwing throwing parties the the day that Lafleur announced that Joe Barry was was coming back. I mean, let's, well, guys, actually, let's turn back the clock right to you know two and a half years ago when this initial hire was made. I mean, it, it wasn't supposed to be Joe Barry; it was supposed to be Jim Leonard. It had all things go according to plan for for Matt Lafleur. This 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 was a you know this 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 was the runner up or you know distant runner up in in the competition to be the Green Bay Packers coordinator and. Matt LaFleur, after not getting the guy he wanted, wound up bringing in his buddy from the Rams. And, um, you know, Joe Barry did, again, if this was Rich Passaccia in the first couple years, weren't going perfectly, and you could look at Rich Passaccia, who obviously, you know, you guys know, but for the listeners out there who may not, as the special teams coach, you know, Rich Passaccia came to Green Bay with a a stellar resume. You know, things had worked for Rich in, in the majority of cities that he had been in. Roses are red, violets are blue, and you bet she'll be talking farming with you. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Young. Well, it looks like hit and miss showers are moving across Wisconsin today. 40% chance of rain, 78 are expected high. Tomorrow, uh, cloudy skies, 80 degrees. Sunday, another 20% chance of rain, 74. Monday, partly sunny and 71, and it looks like we stay dry next week. Temperatures, again, in the low 70s. So glad you're along with us. I'm Farm Director Pam Yonke. Boy, not many things to note on this date in history. On September 22nd, 1975, that is the day that there was an assassination attempt on then-President Gerald Ford. He was in San Francisco and uh, FBI informant Sarah Jane Moore tried to assassinate him. It was a failed attempt, partly because of a faulty gun, partly because of efforts by an ex-FBI agent, Oliver Sipple, that tackled her. Kind of a goofy situation. Assassination attempt on U.S. President Gerald Ford on this day back in 1975. And now you know. 
Stick around. We've got another one of our Century Farm Salutes coming up. We had all the way up to Price County. Stephanie Hoff on the way with that. Well, it's on the way. The inaugural class of the Farm and Industry Short Course in its new home at UW River Falls. Now, remember, Farm and Industry Short Course stretches back to 1848 as far as its educational heritage. But uh, this is first time out at UW River Falls. I caught up yesterday with Dr. Steve Kelm, University of Wisconsin River Falls faculty, who's coordinating FISC at River Falls. And he said the applications, they're still coming in. So the reaction has been, has continued to be really quite positive. And then really what we're seeing now is we're seeing inquiries in terms of the fall of 24. So we have individuals that are high school age. They're seniors. They're looking at options. We're setting up tours. Individuals are calling, wanting some more information, wanting some more information specifically about the River Falls campus and what we're all about. So that part's, that part's really fantastic. And we are still taking applications for this upcoming. We still have some spots left in the Fall 23 uh, group, and we'd be happy to visit with anyone that's looking at that as a potential option. Now, the reason that Farm and Industry Short Course was created was to give actual people involved in production agriculture a quick window of opportunity to upgrade their skills. Tell me a little bit about what River Falls will be offering more along the curriculum lines this fall, Steve. I think one of the biggest things that we want to do is we want to enable individuals to to do some uh, development so that they can, whether they're running their own farm or they're going to be working for someone else, just in terms of workforce development. So I think one of the most valuable courses that we'll have, we'll have a techniques course. And so we'll be going through and working with the cattle on our farm on proper techniques for, for example, delivering antibiotics, for working with hoof trimming, for honestly doing things like working with down cows, as we see, you know, typical concerns on animal welfare. We also have, you know, a lot of interest, as you can imagine, on, you know, improving milk quality, improving, you know, multiple aspects of the farm. It's not just about dairy, though. It's also, like you said, about the support industries, and you're welcoming people even from beyond our Wisconsin borders. Absolutely. Certainly we're having inquiries from individuals in neighboring states. Farm and Industry Short Course has welcomed individuals uh, from across the border, you know, in the past, and we certainly hope that is going to be an option coming in the future. Dr. Steve Kellum, coordinator for the Farm and Industry Short Course and its inaugural class at the UW-River Falls campus beginning in October. Find more at uwrf.edu. Rural Mutual Insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong. They believe in protecting the families and children in our farming communities. Kids love to be included in the daily farm activities, but accidents can happen quickly. Reduce the chance of injury by making sure your farm is a safe environment for adults and kids. Learn more at RuralMutual.com. Rural Mutual Insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong. This year, Dairyland Seed is introducing our best corn of all time. Again. 
That sound you just heard? That's the sound of a full lineup of top-performing hybrids bringing the yield like never before. It's the sound of even stronger traits bred specifically to boost corn bushels per acre in your soil. And it's the sound of workhorse corn seed proven to outperform yet again in independent head-to-head -head trials. See the latest corn performance data at showmethecornyield.com. That's showmethecornyield.com. Dairy farmers of Wisconsin are building strong farms for a strong future right here in America's Dairyland. Join them and Pam at World Dairy Expo on Tuesday, October 3rd and Thursday, October 5th at 1.30 p.m. at booth 4506 in the Exhibition Hall. To learn more about the Dairy Farmers of Wisconsin, visit wisconsindairy.org. Pam will kick off her coverage of World Dairy Expo with BioVet on Tuesday, October 3rd at 9.30 a.m. at booth 1503 in the Exhibition Hall. BioVet is your trusted partner in animal health with direct-fed microbials and supplements to help your herd be more productive and profitable. Stop by or visit bio-vet.com to learn more. Well, the kids are back in school. Hopefully your schedule has become a little bit more comfortable reflecting theirs. You might wonder to yourself, though, what are the kids talking about in school? Well, the good news is for many kids in the state of Wisconsin, Agriculture is a part of the conversation. Charity Seebecker's got more. Wisconsin Ag in the Classroom is dedicated to providing agricultural information through teaching resources and lesson plans. I'm Charity Seebecker with the Midwest Farm Report. Beth Schaefer, Wisconsin Ag in the Classroom coordinator, says they are working on the Book of the Year program. This program highlights Wisconsin agriculture through children's picture books. Each year, a book is selected that accurately portrays an agricultural aspect or commodity in Wisconsin. The Book of the Year program is a wonderful opportunity to showcase a Wisconsin agriculture crop or commodity. And we've been doing this program highlighting a great, accurate agriculture book. This year, we are following the American Farm Bureau Ag Foundation Book of the Year, which is called I Love Strawberries. And the book is all about this little girl Jolie who really loves strawberries and uh, there's themes of personal responsibility because she wants to grow her own strawberries so her parents re require her to show that she's responsible and then she has to earn the money to buy the plants so there's all kinds of, of themes that tie to agriculture that students can relate to but it's not necessarily about a, a huge pick your own strawberry farm it's thinking about how agriculture impacts us and what we how we can be involved every day so that book of the year program is an opportunity for us to engage students with where their fruit comes from so also the theme of the book ties to our fourth and fifth grade essay contest so this year's essay contest is following the theme wisconsin agriculture is fruitful so uh, what's cool about this is that we have uh, regions of agriculture door county is notorious for cherries we have apple orchards in bayfield and we have strawberries grown all over the state and of course cranberries wisconsin state fruit grown in our central sands this contest this theme allows teachers to kind of tailor the essay to what meets and makes sense for their community and so to do that our local farm bureaus uh, we had 51 counties participate in providing resources through a bulk book order program we are sent out 900 copies of books that are going to be distributed across the state along with something called an ag mag on specialty crops which is kind of like a weekly reader or an accurate ag reader for students 
and um, counties also purchased an educator guide to go with those books. So when you think about it, it's it's almost $13,000 worth of materials that local county farm bureaus are donating to their communities to help grow awareness of agriculture, but also to support our teachers and our students and provide the materials to build their social studies awareness. That was Beth Schaefer, Wisconsin Egg in the Classroom Coordinator. From the Midwest Farm Report, I'm Charity Seebecker. All right, Charity, thanks. So parents, there you go. Ask your kids about strawberries and see if they're a part of the Egg in the Classroom Book of the Year program. Well, the market's an overnight electronic trade showing signs of life after a tough day on Thursday. December corn right now is unchanged at 475. November soybeans are up a nickel at 1299. July wheat up a half currently at 629. Dairy suffered another setback yesterday. Barrel cheese down four and a half at 156 and a half. 40 pound black cheese dropped three to 177. Double A butter though, based on food ingredient needs, up nine and a half to 293 and a half per pound. This morning October milk is up 4 at 17.05, November milk up a penny at 17.23 a hundredweight. A salute to a century farm in Wisconsin. We're headed north to Price County. Stephanie Hoff introduces us to the family coming up next. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. There goes Pam Yonke across Wisconsin in her suburban truck. Thanks to Blaine's Farm and Fleet, the original, authentic, still family-owned since 1955. And from Farm First Dairy Cooperative, serving dairy farmers across the Midwest since 2013. Farm First Dairy Cooperative, member-focused, member-driven, member-led. Keep up with Pam at MidwestFarmReport.com and on Facebook and Twitter. Farming is dangerous. There's dangers all around us. We work around it and we live around it every day. And we just become desensitized to what's around us. We go through safety training and you know we try and do these things to make sure accidents don't happen, but you just never know. There are so many farmers that I think take for granted all of the underground utilities that are there. You don't want to hit a gas pipe because that's your life. The other part of it is if you hit certain things, you're liable for it. I mean, we kind of know what's out here, but all at the same time, you, you just always call. Farm Safe 811 starts with you. Whether you're installing drain tile or doing any sort of digging, always call 811 and wait for any underground lines to be marked and have the depth confirmed. That's farming with care. But if a line does get damaged, go somewhere safe and call 911. Always keep safety in the back of your mind. Just stay humble. For more information, go to farmsafe811.org. It's Preston from Window World, and although I'd love to talk your ear off about windows, today's all about doors. Your front door can say a lot about you. Window World specializes in turning a bland entrance into a grand entrance. We have top quality products, a variety of paint and stain options, and certified factory trained installers. It's a no-brainer. Visit us at windowworldmadison.com. 
Here, money grows in rows. This is the Midwest Farm Report. We are celebrating family farms across Wisconsin that are celebrating 100 or 150 years of farming on the same land. I'm Stephanie Hoff with the Midwest Farm Report, and we're doing this by sharing their stories with you, courtesy of Compere Financial. Today's Century Farm is in Price County. For Joe Vandervoort's family, the cows left in the 1980s, but he brought them back 20 years later. Joe is the fourth generation on the 80-acre farm, and in order to continue the farm's legacy as a dairy, he's starting to think about adding milk processing or a retail store for the fifth generation. We also talk about the history of the farm, a lot of it within the farm buildings themselves. The original barn had burnt, I would believe, in like, I'm going to say 57 or 58, because the barn that is here was built in 59, and my dad always talked about all the kids in his family at the time during the summer would go help an aunt and uncle that didn't have any kids down by Ogama area. And basically, they got a letter saying to send, bring the kids home, the barn burnt. So that would have, I don't know, you try to imagine that one too, I guess, where you get a letter. It's not a phone call back then saying that. And basically, yeah, their aunt and uncle said, well, pack up, kids, we got to take you home. Your barn's gone. So. And then just think, you know, you probably had your summer feed maybe at that time made and here it's burnt. I mean, what do you do then? My dad had talked about how basically they got the walls built that fall and basically had the ceiling or the floor for the hay mall laid, but no roof yet. So all winter it snowed and in the spring it was leaking through because the snow would be melting. He described how how that sucked. (laughs) The house. The original house is gone, too. I do remember it when I was a little kid. It was basically all back of the house that we live in right now. And it was basically fallen in. And I know my parents had cleaned it up and had it all bulldozed and buried underground. And there used to be a shed out back that at the same time was taken care of that way, too. Um, the house we do live in, it was an old schoolhouse, moved about four miles back in 1956. It was Farview School was the name of it. It was right on the corner of Fairview and Liberty. And uh, so basically, yeah, they they lifted it, put it on a wagon, and dragged it here four miles, going up and down hills. So they had a neighbor with a bulldozer. Depending which way you're going on the hill, either pulling it up or getting behind it and, you know, creeping it down. Um, Neighbors had talked about how they had to cut power lines to cross the road so the house could get through. And basically, they had a foundation here ready for it. So when they got it here, they were able to roll it back on and and kind of start remodeling. So that's the house you live in today? Yep, yep. Was the milking technology, were you able to reuse any of that? That was pretty much gone. We had kind of gutted that out a long time ago. What my parents had, they had a step saver back then. So they had the vacuum pump, which that was all locked up and not worth saving. We had gotten rid of that a long time ago, too. But no, what we ended up doing is we built basically a new barn with 12 milking stalls. So it's basically like a flat barn parlor and a lot of used stuff. I mean, we had body used pipeline and made that work, um, body used tank. Um, so basically it's like a new barn with a lot of used parts too. Uh, in that barn, we also have 20 calf stalls because everything is right there where you can feed the calf. You can clean everything. We've got the hot water and everything right there too, but we've made it work so far and we just need a lot more concrete down the road to hopefully get us a little more solid foundation rather than working in some mud. So you mentioned the possibility of maybe doing your own 
processing. Is that what you told me? Yeah, that's we're we're, we're thinking about it. We got to do some looking into and do some researching. I do have a spot in mind where if we do it, it wouldn't be here on the farm because I thought we're not too far from the highway, and there used to be a good stop on the highway years ago. And I thought if a guy could somehow buy that up and maybe set something there and turn it kind of into an all-purpose like farm store type of a thing where you'd sell any dairy supply um, uh, between meats and cheeses, bakery goods too, maybe down the road. Just It's one of those things that's going to probably evolve if you can get a customer base started too. You have another generation that may be willing to pick it back up and then the beginnings of an expansion plan too, it sounds like. Yeah, and first of all, it's got to make sure who's all interested, I guess. You've got four kids and if they're all interested... And right now they're young. We have twin boys that are 10, two daughters, one is nine and one is seven. But yeah, if we can, if we get get them all interested, we got to do something because I don't want to grow into some like 2000 cow dairy operation. I'd rather, I'd rather do something a little different than to go big one way. I'd rather kind of do something more spread universal or they all have a piece of the pie, but yet they, they're going to all have to work together to make that work too. So, Joe, another thing I like to ask during these interviews is if you have any fond memories, that, or, or maybe maybe they're not fond memories, but maybe lessons learned <laughs> growing up on the farm, anything that stands out to you that you want to share with our audience? As I grew up, we worked all the time. Maybe we didn't hit milk cows here. We had beef animals, but I had my uncle's farm, which was another family farm, but from my grandma's side of the family also. So we did a lot of stuff over there, too. Not that we worked, worked all the time. We did play, too. But I guess I always enjoyed working, and I think that was kind of driven into me. And I think that's the big the big thing is you, you work before you play, and that's what we were always taught and raised to do. Is there anything else, Joe, that you wanted people to know about your family's Centennial Farm? I think about the history here a lot, and uh Think about how there used to be a cheese factory up the road and uh, how that's gone. And like, you know, these schools too, where we got, we actually live in a schoolhouse that was moved here. And you just think about uh, all the, uh, everything that had to be done by hand back then. I mean, we got machines that make things a lot easier nowadays. And you look back, you know, how they moved this house here, you know, it wasn't as easy as it is today where you have cranes that do this. And then you got neighbors and friends and, to help you out too but and even today that's why i really enjoy living here is we got good neighbors we got good friends um just yesterday alone uh i had neighbors helping me uh bale hay before the rain so it just it goes to show you i mean how good of an area we live in we're talking with joe vandervoort the fourth generation on his family's centennial farm in price county today the farm is once again a dairy while his four kids have quite a few years before taking over, Joe is starting to research how to add milk processing or a retail store to the family business for that next generation. You can find more stories like this at MidwestFarmReport.com. These stories are brought to you courtesy of Compere Financial. For the Midwest Farm Report, I'm Steve.